0: Totally awesome. Uh, Let's take our Bibles, and uh, I'm going to be all over the map today, okay? It's one of those topical sermons this morning. Um, I'm going to start you out in Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, but we're actually going to Romans 5, uh, verse 10 through 11 will be one of our uh, other scriptures, but there's a bunch of others. There's Isaiah 61, there's James chapter 2. We're just all over the place. We've been in a A series for about five weeks now talking about relationships talking about building better relationships together and I'd love to go through the outline of this last five weeks but you know I don't want to take the time they're all online and uh, in fact there's a folder if you go to messages and click on that and you drop down you'll find a a folder that says building better relationships together you can watch the videos uh, from that folder uh, I- any time you'd like. This morning, I want to conclude this series and talk about becoming best friends with God. Becoming best friends with God. Now, I, I don't know what you think about that title. Becoming best friends with God. I, I don't even know if you think that's possible. Becoming best friends with God. I mean, God is so many things in our life, isn't he? He, He's our father. And when I think about that, honestly, I know people in our church who don't know who their father was. Uh, They've been adopted. Some from outside the nation. They don't know their biological father. I know people in our church, some was communicated early, you were an accident. (laughs) I, I mean, Sorry, but that's the world we live in. And uh, I never expected to get pregnant. And so there's this feeling of who am I? Can I just tell you, hard? God is your father. He knew you were going to be born. And he was excited about that day. He knew you in your mother's womb. He knew your days before there was one of them. God. I mean, your biological father had a part of it. But you are a twinkle in God's eye. The Bible says we're the apple of his eye. Your Father is, is God. He's our creator. He's our King. Read it this morning. David said, My God and my king. And of course, David was the king of Israel, but God was his king. He's our judge. Uh, he, he's our redeemer. He literally paid with his own blood, the price necessary to, to, to redeem us out of slavery to death for all eternity and, and, and for sin. He, he's our savior. He rescues me from my enemies, hallelujah. He's my provider. He's my healer. He's my peace. He's our, our shepherd. He leads and guides and cares for us. And I could go on and on about that, but for me, the thing that is most shocking in my life is that God wants me to be his friend. That not only is God a friend to me. But God wants to look to me as his friend. That's a different level of intimacy. That, that I could literally be seen as God's friend. That he could know me. That, that he could trust me. That, that he could give me things that he would like me to do to accomplish for his kingdom glory and honor. Now if you go back to the beginning of time and that's of course Genesis chapter 1, 2 and 3 uh, one of the things you see before sin entered the world is that Adam and Eve enjoyed an incredible, close and intimate friendship with God. I mean they walked with God in the, in the cool of the evening as friends. Okay, there's no religion There was no rituals, there was no rules, except one. Don't eat from that tree in the middle of the garden. Other than that, man, knock yourself out. Have a blast, eat whatever you want. I mean, God was all about freedom. Now, there was a context for that. There was a purity in the garden. There was a perfection in the garden, Genesis Chapter 2, verse 25 explains something that I don't think we we can fully understand this side of the fall. It says in Genesis 2, verse 25, Now the man and his wife were both naked, but felt no shame. Now, now that's a hard verse to talk about in our culture because uh, sex has become uh, so misused and uh, so distorted in in our culture that verse is not about sex and and by the way I'm not anti-sex okay I'm old but I'm not dead you were supposed to laugh at that okay I'm old but I'm not dead But, but this verse has nothing really to do with sex it has everything to do with our soul See, the man and his wife were both naked, vulnerable, completely open, completely honest, and they felt no shame. Can I tell you the consequences of the fall been passed down from generation to generation inside the soul of every young child is guilt and shame. Darkness not only entered the world, but darkness entered our soul. We're separated from God, and every person, whether we want to admit it or not, feels the separation from God and literally feels guilt and shame in their soul. You see, in Adam and Eve's soul, they weren't tainted by lies. They weren't tainted by manipulation. The thought had never entered their mind. They, they, weren't, they weren't hiding lust or greed or, or fear uh, they were perfect in every way. That an absolutely clean conscience, their motives—sorry, <laughs> their motives were completely pure. They had nothing to hide. I don't even think they—they they didn't even know they didn't have clothes on. Uh, they were simply naked and they felt no shame. They were clothed in the light of God's love and the light of His holiness. The Bible says that God dwells in unapproachable light. And so within their soul, they were so filled with the light of God that they didn't, they, didn't they didn't care. Because there's no guilt, there's no shame, there was no hiding. Now, unfortunately, darkness entered the world and it entered our soul. And the awareness of guilt, the awareness of lust, the awareness of shame, the awareness of separation from God has been a part of the soul of mankind since that moment and throughout history. But. Aren't you thankful for the big butts in the Bible? <clears throat> Sorry, I'm just trying to help you here this morning. You're not, you know, quite with me yet. But uh, there are some big butts in the Bible. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. <sighs> Do you know God wants the same relationship he had with us in the beginning? And he's made that possible through Jesus Christ. The Bible says he clothed us. You and I, if we could see ourselves from God's perspective, we are clothed, literally, in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 61, verse 10. It says that God gave us a garment of salvation. And he clothed this in his righteousness. So that unapproachable light that allows me to be unashamed, not feeling guilty. It allows me to literally walk every moment of my day in the presence of God with a clear conscience and a clear mind. I can have, I have, if I want to enter in, the kind of relationship with God that Adam and Eden had in the beginning. Now obviously... I don't have completely... What what, what does science say? We use about 10% of our brain? Uh, So that that was a result of the fall. They had a brain and they had an understanding far beyond anything we could ever experience. But but nevertheless, in terms of shame, I I don't have to live in that anymore because of what Jesus has done. Could someone say hallelujah? He has clothed me with his righteousness. Now, unfortunately... Uh, the idea of being naked and feel no shame, it's foreign to us. We, we struggle with that. We, we struggle with vulnerability in our soul. We have a tendency to, to hide from God and, and hide from one another. But that isn't God's desire for us. See, God doesn't want us to follow a religion. God doesn't want us to be a part of certain rituals or following any rules. Now listen carefully. <laughs> the only rule we'll to, we're to follow is to love Jesus Christ with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and all our strength. Our, our only, the only rule is to love Christ and to follow Christ and to share Christ and to serve Christ and to love one another for the sake of Jesus Christ. That that's it. Outside of that, the Apostle Paul said, there's freedom. That's all you got to do. Just love him. Now, this idea of friendship with God, of course, is very difficult throughout the Old Testament, okay? Uh, In fact, we don't really see many people who were friends of God. Uh, Abraham uh, was referred to in the book of James, actually James 2.23. He's referred to as a friend of God. And You know, one of the places we see that in the Old Testament, I believe it's, I don't know what chapter in Genesis, probably about 19 or so, but remember when God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he came to Abraham, and he said, will I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? God was treating Abraham as a friend. How can I hide from my friend? We don't hide things from our friends. If a, if a friend is a close friend, if he's an intimate friend, you spill the beans, you know? You just, you, you tell him everything. And then same with God. He didn't hide from Abraham what he was about to do. Will I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? And then he went on and told him about Sodom and Gomorrah and how he's going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham immediately responded in righteousness, which I'm sure God was proud of. He said, God, will you kill the, the righteous with the wicked? I mean, what if there are 50 righteous in this city? Will you save it? And of course, God said, yeah, for 50, I'll save it. (laughs) Abraham got a little more bold. What about 40? Uh, Will you save it? And he said, yeah. God said, yeah, for 40, I'll save it. Well, what about 30? For 30, I'll save it. What about 20? He's starting to get nervous. (laughs) Yeah, I'll save it. What about 10? Of course, he was a little afraid to go further than that. And of course, we know the rest of the story. But Abraham was referred to as a friend of God. Moses, certainly a friend of God. The Bible talks about how God... Met with him face to face as a man meets with his friend. So, you know, Moses, certainly a friend of God. David, man after God's own heart, certainly a friend. Enoch, it's interesting in Genesis, he walked with God and God took him. Enoch experienced rapture in the, in the Old Testament, which is pretty amazing. But, you know, other than a few, maybe, you know, Elijah, uh, not many people c- could you really think of as a friend of God. The people of Israel were, fear and guilt was far more common uh, in their lives than friendship with God. And if you're familiar with the sacrificial system, of course, the priests would prepare to offer sacrifices for the people. But first, they had to, you know, make sacrifices for themselves. And they had to go through ceremonial washings and cleansings so they could come and make sacrifice for the people. The people were driven and motivated out of fear and guilt. It was constantly uh, among, among the people. I, I, I'm concerned for people who come to church out of fear and guilt. The, the idea that, you know, I've got I I to get, I, I haven't been to church forever. <laughs> well, uh, Jesus brought the church to you. Come to him. <laughs> Holy Spirit wants to be with you. Uh, could someone say amen to that? Yeah. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, When Jesus breathed his last and gave up his spirit, the veil was torn in two. The veil that separated the inner court, which was the very presence of God, the Holy of Holies. There was a a, a tall veil. uh, Some historians say 30 to 40 feet tall. It was as thick as six to eight inches thick, uh, weaved of of hair, of, of animal hair. It was... It was so strong, it was a huge veil. When when Jesus died on the cross and breathed his last, it was torn in two and the Bible intentionally says from the top to the bottom. Like God reached down, (laughs) grabbed the top of the veil and said, There's no longer a separation between God and man because of what God has done uh, through the person of his son. Jesus Christ. Do you understand that in Jesus we're not separated from God? The Bible says he lives in you. He dwells with you. Jesus said, the night before he was crucified, Jesus said, the Father and I will make our home with you. I, I don't know if you stop when you read those verses and just, just meditate on them, on on, on what they mean f- for our life, but... Everyone who repents of their sin, turns back to God, has direct access to God from the least to the greatest. And I don't know if you count those. Uh, You don't need a priest. And you certainly don't need me. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 10 through 11. It says, For since our fellowship with God was restored by the death of his Son, while we were still his enemies... Uh, we will certainly be saved through his, uh, the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Hallelujah. See, you can't buy friendship with God. I don't care how much money you have. It's not doing you any good. You can't buy friendship with God. You can't earn friendship with God. I don't care how often you come to church. Okay, you can't bribe God, you can't beg God, you can't bargain with God. God, I promise I'll never do that again if you'll just do this. How many have ever prayed that prayer? All you can do is receive his gift of friendship. That's all you can do. All you can do is receive his gift of friendship, his, his gift of love. Jesus said it this way the night before he's crucified, John 15, verse 15, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, but friends. But friends. And that word for friends there is not the word for a casual acquaintance. That word is the, the word that would be used to describe a best man, you know, someone who's been, been with you. Someone who's been intimate. He knows things about you. You don't want him to tell. You know what I'm saying? Your best man, your, your closest comrade, uh, that's what that refer, refers to a, the king's inner court. Okay, king has lots of subjects, lots of people, uh, lots of acquaintances, but only a few are invited into the inner court. That's this word. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I, I, cause you, I call you friends. Before we go on and talk about some practical things in regard to how to become a friend of God, I just want us to sit for a moment, and, and if you'd let me, I'd love to say a prayer for us. I was gonna have the worship team uh, lead us in a song just, just so we could think about it for a minute, but uh, you know, maybe just being still for a moment is, is what we need to do, but uh, l- let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, Lord, I don't know if this thought uh, is shaking anyone else to the core of who they are as much as it's shaken me. But Lord, I take this so seriously that you would call me a friend. Lord, that there'd be an intimacy in my relationship with you, that that you would reveal things to me, that you would talk to me, that you'd work powerfully through my life. And Lord, that I would be allowed to come into your presence and draw near to you Lord, to be your friend, it's, there's nothing in this life, nothing, nothing in this world that could ever compare to that for me, and and I just want to thank you, Lord, that you call us, you don't call us servants anymore, you call us friends, Lord, thank you for that, thank you, you've called us into your presence, we love you this morning. Could we say amen together? So, so let me talk about how important this is to God. Because I don't know if... Uh, how important is this really to God? Well, uh, it's extremely important. Uh, Exodus 34, verse 14. God is passionate about his relationship with you. It's passionate. you know the Bible says that God is jealous for you? You know, when you kind of put God on the shelf... When other things are a priority and, you know, you're concerned about relationships or money or success or popularity, uh, God becomes jealous. He's like a jealous husband. (laughs) He wants first place. He wants first love. He gets jealous. He's like a husband for his bride. Here's what he said in Isaiah uh, chapter 6, verse 6. He says, "I I don't want your sacrifices. I want love. I don't want your offerings. Uh, I want you to know me. I'm going to underline uh, love and know me because I I think this is what life is all about. I I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. You know, if you don't understand that, you've missed the whole purpose of life. Okay, You know, you might be a fireman, first responder, EMT. Uh, You might be a pilot out at the base. It's awesome. Might be a teacher in the schools, bless your heart. It's awesome. Surgeon up at the hospital. Maybe you work in some line of administration or engineering. Maybe you have the privilege of being a full-time mom uh, at home. Some days that doesn't seem like a privilege, but... those things are not who you are they're what you do who you are is far more important than that you're a child of god you're created in his image you are created your purpose in life is to love god and to know him that's your purpose in life it's your purpose the things you do are awesome they change the world we we need all of us, don't we? We need all the jobs. We need all the gifts that God has given mankind to do the things that he does. We need it all. But in all those things, the goal is to love God and know him forever. And in the midst of all those things, if your heart is in the right place, that's what you do. You, you want to know God and You want to love him more. Now, how can you do that? How how can you become best friends with God? I've got a couple things here. Number one, you have to make knowing God your first priority, okay? You will never become friends with God in your spare time if you've been putting it off. You'll never become friends with God in your spare time. He has to be the focus. He has to be the passion. Everything else, let me say that clear. Everything else has to be second. It it just uh, there's it's not even on the scale. Your priority has to be becoming a, a friend of God. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians three eight, everything else is worthless in comparison to the priceless value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. To become best friends with God, you have to. Make it a priority. And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just encouraging you. What adjustment could, could you make there? One of the things you can do is just, just talk to him continually through, throughout your day. You know the Muslims? They, they are called to prayer five times a day. If you've ever been in a Muslim country, there's this horn that goes off. You know, it just kind of dominates the landscape. You know, everyone is called to prayer. Five times a day. That's nothing. You know what Christianity is all about? Apostle Paul said in First Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. I never stop. So our, our, we get to live in the presence of God. And I don't know about you, but when you're with your friends, I like to talk to them. I, I look forward to it. It's an opportunity to talk to God throughout your day. So make it a priority. Becoming best friends with God, uh, you have to learn to slow down and listen. Now, let me see just something real quick about listening. Listening is probably the most important skill to to build in a friendship, okay? Um, uh, You can't love people if you don't listen to them. And when I say listening, I don't mean what they're saying. I mean what they're not saying. I I mean what they're feeling. I I mean what you see in their eyes. I I mean what you feel from them. Okay, listening isn't about facts. Listening is about what people don't say. And that's the critical part of any friendship. If someone loves you as a friend, it's because... Man, you're amazing. You listen to me, and you, you understand me. That's, that's true in marriage. That's true with your kids. Oh, there, there's so many parents who don't know their kids because they don't listen. They listen to facts, but they don't see their eyes, and they don't understand their heart. They don't know the pressure they're going through. This social isolation was so hard on your kids. It's been, been really difficult and, and, and really, really, really tough. So, so listening is not what people are saying. It's listening to what they're not saying. And can I suggest the same is true with God? When you, when you get up in the morning to have your devotion time, and you know, young families, husbands and wives, you gotta partner together. You, you gotta kind of give everybody a, a shot at their devotion time, because I realize how busy it is, you know, for you just to have quiet time in the morning or quiet time in the evening. You gotta take turns. You gotta give your spouse that opportunity for quiet time with God. But when you get that quiet time, it's not just what you're reading, you're listening for what God is not saying, at least not on the page. You're, you're, you're catching his heart as he says it. You, you feel his emotion. And, and, you know, I get up in the morning, I'm having my devotion time, I'm reading, I don't know, when I'm reading something, always something, and... Um, And I'll catch something that God is saying, but he's not saying. I'll feel his heart. And, you know, my mind just takes off. And my wife, you know, she's always sitting over here on the other side of the, she sits in a chair there, I sit in a chair here, it's about 10 feet apart so we can get along. She'll look at me and she'll say, where are you? (laughs) And I've just caught up, you know, I've caught a glimpse of God's heart, not what he said, but, but what he didn't say. And that, that really is what it mean, means to, to learn to listen to God, to become a, a friend of God. You've got to make it a priority, and you have to slow down and learn to listen. And, of course, that's a little easier for some of us who are getting a little older, uh, it, me especially. I've just, I'm just doing more listening. I'm not chasing kids around the house. Uh, when I have the grandkids, I just think, oh, parents, how do you do this? I just can't do it like I, I used to. Jesus said... He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus said, to him who has, more will be given. And and to him who doesn't have, even what he has will be taken away. And, And when you learn to hear and you learn to listen, God keeps talking. And if you don't pay attention when he's talking, why would he talk? So listening is super important. Becoming best friends with God not only making it a priority, not only slowing down, learning to listen. Number three, learn how to trust in, in all the circumstances. You know, one of the things you love about a friend is you can trust him. I mean, you can call him anytime, and you know they'll have your back. And, and the same is true in a friendship with God, trusting him in all circumstances. When you're going through a hard time, you know he's there and that he cares about you. Now, he's not going to change everything that's going on in the world just for you, but there's amazing times when he interrupts and steps in and comes into your life and you just go, I can't believe God knew where I was at at that moment, that I needed that. God is amazing. He knows everything. The Bible says, in him we live and move and have our being. There's not one thing that happens that he doesn't know. Sparrow falls out of the sky. He knows. He knows the hairs on your head. He God is so omniscient and omnipresent. You gotta, just, you gotta learn to trust when you're going through hard times, you know he cares. When you're going through pain, maybe the pain of a loss or a broken relationship, you gotta believe that God loves you and he has a plan for your life. When you go through a failure, and of course we've all done that, including me, you have failed God miserably. You've gotta believe that God is not ashamed of you. Okay, remember that thing that, that Adam and Eve didn't have? The man and his wife were both naked, vulnerable, transparent, and they felt no shame. One of the things that God has done through Christ is he has delivered us from shame. You've got to cross it off your emotional isolation list. You've got to get rid of shame. You've got to choose not to believe it's lie anymore. Some of you have within your soul, and I'm prophesying to someone right now. You have within your soul a hook of shame. It's like a hook in a fish's mouth, and it's controlling you. And it tugs you, and it pulls you here and it pulls you there. And it's demonic. Jesus came to set the captives free. He came to set the captives free. He delivered us from shame. But it's not without a fight. The Bible says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And you've got to stand up. You've got to resist the devil and refuse to allow shame to stay hooked in your soul. You can't think that God is ashamed of you when you fail. Now, honestly, you're ashamed of yourself. So let's get that one right, okay? Just admit to God, I'm ashamed of myself. But know that he's not ashamed of you. Because being motivated out of guilt to serve God is a trap, it's bondage, it's what leads to addiction. People who struggle with addictive behaviors, you know, they've got this issue and they're tempted in their mind and then they take the first step which leads to trouble and then they fail then they beat themselves up <laughs> i hate myself i hate myself i hate myself think i'll go eat worms and and then they start getting over it and they feel better god forgives me hallelujah and then you start the cycle all over again that's terrible motivation when when condemnation is your motivation what a terrible life you're in bondage Jesus came to set the captives free. You've got to stop allowing shame to have that hook in you. You've got to know when you fail miserably that God is not ashamed of you. He gave his life for you. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. Now, that's not easy. Sometimes it's a fight. I've been through it, been there, done that, and bought the shirt, okay? But his love for you never changes Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I hope you've memorized it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. Number four, if you want to become friends with God, you have to admit that you're selfish. That's your major problem in life. You are selfish. Could we say it together? I am selfish. Why don't you tell your neighbor, I'm selfish. You are. You are. You're horribly selfish. If you don't think you're selfish, you're really selfish. Seriously, I feel sorry for you. You know what problem with pride? The problem with pride is that people who are proud don't see it. Everyone else around them sees it. Their wife sees it. Their kids see it. Your fellow employees, they all see it. But you don't see it because you're blind. Okay? You are selfish. And here's, here's how I want to show you. You can be as close to God as you want to be. The choice is yours. You're not close to God because you're selfish. Now, someone should say amen to that. This little guy is. He's going, amen, preach it, brother. (laughs) We are. We're, 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 We're selfish. You have the friendship with God you want to have. Let me say it again. You have the friendship with God you want to have. Your battle is with you. Not with God. He's already done it all. It's because you're, you're selfish. And here's the problem. Selfishness ruins relationships. Causes conflicts, arguments, and even divorce. And I, I more than a few times a month, I am with couples. and Selfishness is destroying uh, their, their relationship. I love them. They love, actually love each other. They just don't know how to deal with the selfishness. All people start out a relationship wanting to be unselfish. But as time goes on, selfishness creeps back in. Now, the problem with online dating, okay? Half of the marriages right now in America are through online dating, okay? I do them. I I know from experience. And that's great, okay? You're lonely. You want to meet someone? Awesome. Knock yourself out. But here's the problem. They are so nice online, (laughs) They're so nice online. But the problem in every soul is selfishness. And I'll tell you, his wife wasn't the only one that caused the problems. Her husband wasn't the only one that caused the problems. And when we enter into relationship, we always put our best foot forward. They'll even say they're a Christian, whatever that means. And so, you know, I... I I love you and I I care about you, but the problem is selfishness. And I'm not saying not to do that and not meet someone and not date. That's awesome. But the thing that will ruin your relationship is not how nice they were at first. It's that selfishness creeps back in. And if they haven't learned to die to themselves and follow Jesus, and if this is not about Jesus first, it's not going to last. It's just not going to last. Jesus said in Mark 8, 35, if you try to save your life, you lose it. If you lose your life uh, for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, you'll find it. Find a person like that who has lost their life for the sake of the gospel. And you can tell, they're serving in missions, they're serving in ministry, they're sacrificial in their life and their love. And I promise you, they will love you because Jesus has commanded them to, and they will deny themselves, and they'll die to themselves, and they'll pick up their cross, and they'll be there for the rest of your life. That's the kind of person you want to meet. want to marry and if you meet them online that's awesome hallelujah just be careful that's my point be careful uh, number five be honest and real uh, your prayers can't be surface chat it's got to go deeper you got to share your hurts and bit your fears disclose your doubts acknowledge your weaknesses to become best friends with God you've got to be real and honest and the last one has to do with uh, giving thanks and all things I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up Now, this is really, really more important than you think. Uh, The Bible, uh, Psalms 100, verse 4, hopefully you've memorized it. The Bible says, Enter enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and and bless his name. Thankfulness is so important. It's so important in your relationships. I hope I hope you tell your friends, and if it's a spouse, your spouse. I hope you tell them a hundred times a day how thankful you are for them. You know, we have a tendency to focus on everybody's weaknesses and our strengths. Remember the message we did about uh, the magnifying glass and the mirror? How Jesus said, why do you point out the, 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 what is it, a little, what was it? speck in your brother's eye while you have a plank in your own eye and one of the ways to deal with that in your soul is with thankfulness now I don't know about you but I cannot put up with whiners I I just can't I can't put up with people that don't have the courage to stand up and take responsibility for their life I just I can't I can love them for an hour in my office but then I'm so glad when they leave you know (laughs) it's just the truth I mean it's okay to be real here because whiners, they're not going to make it. And, and and you can't whine to God. You have to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. You have to give thanks to God and bless his name. God loves thankfulness. Thankfulness is a sacrifice to God, whatever you're going through or you've been through. Thankfulness is one of the most important character qualities in our soul. And it's a, concre- a critical ingredient to building a friendship with God. I really believe when I give thanks to God, his presence comes. Cuz the Bible says enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. There's a supernatural thing. I've been driving down the highway sometimes and you know, I just start giving thanks to God for, you know, a long time, 15, 20 minutes, just thanking him. And I'll tell you, his presence fills the car. It's holy. God loves people who will have the courage to give thanks regardless of circumstances and all things. It's a powerful thing. And I really do believe it's one of the things that helps you uh, develop friendship with God. I'm gonna invite you to stand. thank you so much for uh, allowing me to share this morning. Becoming best friends with God. I, I... More than you realize, God is passionate about his relationship with you. He wants not only to be your friend, he wants you to be his friend, okay? But you need to understand you're as close to God as you want to be. Those two tensions, super, super important. So I'm going to say a prayer and we're going to sing this song again, Draw Me Close to You. I just so appreciate Caleb picked that song this morning.